1: Hello, we are Twyla York and Laura Gonzalez and we are the officially unofficial pagan committee ambassadors for Chicago for Parliament of the World Religions. No, we're not. We're not an official. We're just two friends that are overly excited about Parliament of the World Religions. First of all, how are you Twyla? I'm doing really well. I'm very excited for Parliament coming up. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, and I'm actually very excited about Parliament, and because we are very excited about Parliament of the World Religions happening in Chicago, or hometown, I invited Twyla to tell us a little bit about, first of all, what is Parliament of the World Religions? So Parliament of the World Religions was
2: actually started before the Great Fire in Chicago, and it was created to kind of uh, cultivate harmony among the world religions and try to foster engagement with all of these institutions and how can we work together to achieve a just a peaceful and sustainable world um, they, they, they gather every three years roughly three years in different cities around the world to gather and work on these issues
1: and uh this year is gonna be in Chicago. Yes,
2: it's gonna be at the McCormick place.
1: It's gonna be oh, right so- right on my backyard, literally. I <sighs> for those who don't know, I live very, very close to the McCormick place. And why do you think it's important that we represent not only from Chicago but from all over the world, we as pagans, why should we be proactive? Why should we be going? As pagans, we should be going because we as a
2: religious spiritual movement and group and identity had to fight for our place at parliament. Um, Every step of the way, we had amazing people like Phyllis and Angie and Andras fighting tooth and nail, among many, many other important pagans, also Selena, for us to have a space within the parliament to recognize among the big religious leaders that paganism is valid and important and a very diverse large community network of individuals from a wide range of backgrounds and being at Chicago we want to represent that fully that this is the beautiful tapestry that is paganism come show that come be part of this tapestry that we're going to show these other religious leaders who and what we are and how we practice and how we celebrate
1: beautiful so when is Parliament and how do we sign up? So Parliament is going to be August 14th through the 18th, as we said, in the McCormick Place
2: downtown Chicago. And if you go to the parliamentofreligions.org, you can sign up for tickets. Um, they have discounted tickets if you have a larger group going. They also have discounted tickets for children. And if you have a field trip arranging with a uh, youth group, uh, but again, you go to Parliament of World Religions. My apologies, Parliament Parliament of Religions and you can get tickets there and all the details of all hundreds of workshops and programs and art display and music. That's all gonna be there.
1: And of course, we're gonna do the shameless self promotion because we all are gonna be presenting. So I'm gonna be with Reverend Selena Fox and Reverend Deborah Rose talking about women and podcasting. And then we are going to be doing a Pagan Voices of
2: Chicago panel. So we have Loro Gonzalez, myself, Damien Han, Claire Levioki, Chris Allen, Talisa Lee, and Jamie Marie Robinson um, representing our individual different voices and paths within paganism. And then I'm also doing another panel, which is going to be the Voices of the Goddesses with Angie Buchanan and a whole slew of other women, we each are connecting with different goddesses and writing a piece about it and wearing these beautiful artistic masks um, as our writing is read out loud.
1: That is wonderful. And Last but not least of course I'm going to be doing a panel with uh, Reverend Karen Green and Reverend Selena Fox about Festivals of the Dead. Of course we're going to be talking about Day of the Dead, All Saints Day, All Souls Day, and absolutely Samhain, Halloween, and whatnot. And then whatever else comes through between then and now, because we are going to be taking part on ceremonies or the group, uh, the uh, room, or I don't know. I mean, I'm about to go with the flow and go wherever I'm called, so it's going to be a good time. And please remind us, Twyla, of the website where people can sign up.
2: It's going to be parliamentofreligion.org. And it's going to be August 14th through the 18th at McCormick Center in downtown Chicago. There's still lots of time to sign up. This is a -a once-in-a-lifetime thing. It will change you um, being surrounded by all these amazing people from all these different faiths working for a common goal.
1: Thank you so much, Swyla, for being here on CSMP, talking about Parliament of the World Religions. My name is Laura Gonzalez, and until we meet again, never forget that you are loved. Bye-bye. Good evening, good morning, good night, good second breakfast, whenever you are, wherever you are. My name is Laura Gonzalez, and I'd like to welcome you to Lunatic Mondays on CSMP, the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast. Tonight, I have a guest whom I love and adore. Her name is Sasha Graham. She's from New York. She's the best selling author of over 10 books and tarot kits, including The Magic of Tarot, 365 Tarot Spreads, Llewellyn's Complete Book of the Writer Whitesmith Tarot, and Darkwood Tarot. She teaches tarot classes and produces tarot events at New York City's premier cultural institutions, including the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Sasha um, has appeared on film, television, radio, and in the New York Times. Welcome, Sasha. It's been a while. Welcome back to the show. How are you?
3: I'm so happy to see you again. I love being on your show, Laura. Thank you.
1: Thank you. And my show loves having you because I love the way you tarot. I love the way you teach. I love the way you uh, create these beautiful decks and these beautiful books that are so accessible for folks that think that tarot is such a mystifying unique which it is it is mystifying it is unique but it's not exclusive a tarot is actually very inclusive and I love the way do you write your books and how you make it so like one two three is done like there is not that you know you have to be you know what I'm saying I know exactly what you're
3: saying. And I have to tell you, it's because it's because the first time I opened my first tarot deck when I was 12 years old, I was so overwhelmed. I was so excited to read the cards. And then I opened it and I was so overwhelmed by what I was looking at. It really freaked me out and kind of scared me off. And I once I learned how to use tarot, because tarot is so cool, I didn't want anyone to feel overwhelmed scared or that they couldn't do it because what tarot is is really just bringing out all of these things that are inside of us that are our birthright so it should be anything but scary and overwhelming
1: when i have my apprentices you know because i do private uh, sessions private private teachings just like you do um i always tell my apprentices the first phrase that they have to learn and they have to learn this by memory tarot is a book of self-knowledge it's yes. a book of self-knowledge and we are not telling people the future because you create your own future so it's more about framing the present and understanding the very many paths that you can take True. for the future and and then when I came across your your books the first one that came out uh the companion for the dark dark tarot Uh, every page I pass I was like oh my god I love this I love this because it is truly accessible without moving away from the meaning of the cards but you kind of like ground everything and make it very like tangible for folks but speaking of of your first encounter with tarot so 12 years old you find your first tarot card deck and then you're overwhelmed and then what happened how how Bridge the gap between there and your first writings about tarot.
3: So, and so what was interesting was not only was I overwhelmed by the cards, but my stepsister had a born again, Christian best friend in the house and she burned my deck and like freaked out and said it was the devil's work. So, um, that it made me get, want tarot even more because I thought, wow, this is something really super powerful, but I'll be honest. It was not until probably my twenties that I really in earnest, in earnest, started using the cards in a really kind of intense way. And back then, you know, I was just using it with myself and my friends to read about romance and boys and what was going to happen. It was like really fun, you know, really fun kind of teen, mid-20s stuff. Um, later in my early 30s, uh, when my daughter went off to, to school and it was time to do a new career, like she was off, but I thought, you know, how what kind of career can I have as a stay-at-home Mom, even though my daughter's away at school, I was using my daily card a day practice to find the answer to that question. So every day I would flip a single card saying, what is my next step? What am I supposed to do? And then it was this tower moment be a tarot card reader. You live in New York City. You can have private clients during the day and you can do like public events at night. Corporate parties make a ton of money, but still be in charge of your schedule so I could like tailor it for my needs. And yeah, so so then it wasn't, it was a few years after that, like one thing led to another. Um, again, me being in the city, discovering that the museums in New York City have beautiful ancient cards in their archives who they never which they never would bring out and put on display so I started bringing groups into museums um and then yeah I just and then the tarot community, and then meeting book publishers, and then seeing a niche. Back then, 12 years ago, tarot was a very different landscape. Uh, It wasn't everywhere. It wasn't something that people was really accessible, and it certainly wasn't something used in a very, what I would call modern context. So my first book, Tarot Diva, was very much about how you could use tarot for every aspect of your life. Um, Yeah, so that was kind of that path. (laughs)
1: That's beautiful, and I love that you mentioned the tarot card, because People who know tarot, <clears throat> excuse me, people who know tarot, they get a reading, they get the tarot, the, the tower card, and they will be scared. And then I have people who know nothing about tarot, some of my clients, and I tell them, well, you got the the tower, and they look at me like, so what? Why do you think we are so afraid of the tower? By the way, this this tower on this Uh, new deck is actually beautiful for those for those who are only listening run to youtube and watch the video Uh, (laughs) we 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 just so you know uh to my listeners we decided to do a video um of this interview which i normally don't do a whole lot of videos because there's a lot of visual components to this tarot and to this interview so i wanted to share the visuals in, and, of course, um, on top of that. Well, Sasha, you're so beautiful. We have you on video, honey. Thank uh, you. But anyway, why, why? Thank you. Why do you think that people fear the the tower card so much?
3: so traditional tower card depictions are is is a is is catastrophe and humans are hardwired to fear any sort of crisis hardwired to fear any sort of like challenge like we don't want to we don't want to encounter that in our own lives yet when it's happening in front of us to other people we can't look away right so so destruction and and catastrophe is something that's traditionally people fear but but its actual function in the tarot tar, in the tarot deck the the tower's function is literally an aha moment when you have a genuine aha moment, everything in your life changes. I remember when that literally came to me and my life changed. I'm sitting here in front of you because of it so massive upheaval It doesn't necessarily have to be uncomfortable. And even if it is, it doesn't make discomfort a bad thing. You know, when you exercise and start to build muscle, you get sore, that hurts. When your heart breaks, you know, for the first time, when you're in love, and we've all gone through it, it doesn't feel good. But that is the beginning of us how to learn how we operate as our romantic selves. So so I think that people are just, people want to stay in their comfort zones, but that doesn't do us any favors.
1: No. And, you know, I a few weeks ago, I was writing about writing because I'm getting my feet wet, uh, Sasha, and I'm writing, you know, collaborations and, um, you know, doing like a little stuff for Llewellyn and other publications, you know, to kind of like get my, feet with and how hard it is to write in English for a uh, English as a second language person and but then I've heard that it's hard to write for anyone English because English is a peculiar language to begin with but anyway uh what I wrote on my social media was like I'm scared, I'm frightened I'm overwhelmed I'm stressed out but I'm not defeated and I'm gonna do it you know and that's kind of like a tower moment where you're like... Yes, you scare pantsless about it, but you're still going to go through. And what I tell my clients is like, when you have a tower, it's better that you just you know, let go and, and jump than to resist. Because when we resist, the tower changes. That's when we get in bigger
3: trouble. That that So when you resist a, a naturally occurring tower situation in your life... And when you don't get that wake up call that the tower moments are supposed to give you, I I do believe that is often when actual catastrophe will strike because there's a big difference between going through something that you, especially, look, if you're afraid of something that you really want, you have to know that that's exactly the direction that you're supposed to be in, right? People talk a lot. Oh, sorry about that. That was my buzzer. People talk a lot about banishing fear and fear keeps us safe, right? Fear keeps us from running naked into an intersection full of traffic. So that fear is a good thing. We don't want to get rid of it, but we want to understand how it's operating inside of us. So your, to your point, your example um, is, is perfect. It's scary. It's overwhelming. And that's exactly why you need to keep moving toward it. Um, and, and what's going to happen for you is when you get to the other side of that fear, you're going to be standing in a brand new space. Again, that puts us out of our comfort zone. We like to stay comfortable, even when we want something different than what our life currently is. That's kind of the, that's kind of the, the chess pieces I think of our life and, and that what, what, what we can unpack with
1: tarot. And one of my biggest desires is I want one of these with my name on it you know, I I want a book that says Laura Gonzalez, so I want to start small, and it is very frightening, but it's not impossible.
3: Absolutely it's- not. If, oh my god, if I could do it, anybody can, you know, and oh it's goodness. funny, I, I just wrapped up three weeks of a tarot for fiction writing, and we were talking last night at length about exactly that thing, you know, it it is an amazing thing to hold a book with your your name on it. And you know, libraries and bookstores, they are sacred spaces. It's thousands of voices of of the people who've come before um, whispering. so to sit on a bookshelf. it's a big deal. and And the important thing is that I think it was Martha Graham, who had a quote about, you know, there is a, a unique voice that comes through all of us and it is our job to bring it out and not suppress that because it will not exist in yeah. any other way than the voice that's going to come through you.
1: Yeah. And, you know, in our culture, in my culture, oral tradition is it. So I figure, you know, oh I have 12 years of podcasts under my wing, you know, that's enough, but I got the book bug in me. and now it's like, Nope it's got to be in a book, it's got to be in writing so anyway, back to you because this is not the Laura Gonzalez show it's the Sasha Graham show Uh, (laughs) this tarot deck uh, that we're talking about today obviously, Tarot of the Witch's Garden by Sasha Graham are by Natasha Elinchich I have to learn how to pronounce her name Um, it's a beautiful deck of cards and we were talking about a little bit behind the scenes how different it is in a very good way from the prior deck that you had that I have right here because I use it a lot the Darkwood tarot so when you look at the even when you look at the boxes I mean it's it's, it's a big contrast not in a bad way not at all in a bad way it's it's diversifying a, a very similar concept in my opinion but it's kind of like the very luminous aspect of it. Was this intentional? Please tell me it was intentional.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yes, it was very much intentional. So, so the Darkwood Tarot just coincidentally came out in the midst of the 20 of, of, of 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, which was kind yeah. of a perfect moment for a shadow deck because it was such a shadow moment for all of us. Okay. And it was it was during that summer, that time period, that I had this proposal to Llewellyn because I thought, I want to see the other side of the shadow witch. I want to see what happens when the shadow witch kind of grows up and matures. And and I was at great length in discussions with my publisher um, about who the artist would be and what it would be. And and I even was like, I wasn't sure because watercolor, I'm not, watercolor is not my jam. The color palette is, I mean, look at the, if anybody's watching this, I, I literally live inside, I think the color palette of the dark wood tarot, essentially. So it was a radical departure. Um, and 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 my publisher kept saying, people need healing. People need healing. Let's move forward. Let's get this deck done. So we, uh, so we did that, and 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 I think you've got the, the 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 results in your hands because Tarot of the Witch's Garden is about manifestation in every level. So in the Darkwood Tarot, and and in my first deck, Tarot of the Haunted House, was really a lot about facing your fears. Uh, Tarot of the Witch's Garden is about bringing all of your magic out. It is also about a safe space that supports other witches. Mm -hmm. So the Tarot of the Witch's Garden, the story behind it is a witch who has grown up, used her magic to to create a fecund space for magical folk to come to get whatever they need to kind of emerge
1: full of magic. It's so beautiful. I hope people are watching the video and this is something funny because every time when I'm making an interview, doing an interview, I'm always like smiling from ear to ear listening to the authors because it's such a beautiful thing. So you get to see me this time making a fool of myself and smiling Uh, because listening to you is poetry. And look at this card. I mean, please come watch the video. The star card, all about healing and she's beautiful and she's got a white albino peacock behind her i mean the artistry is so beautiful how was that collaboration with natasha it was it was
3: wild and it was amazing like she she has such a pure vision of the work that, that she does. Um, So she brought so many ideas to the table and um, yeah, it was, it was phenomenal. You know, it was a really, it was a great experience. It was a really great experience.
1: I am going to be, I think I said it already, but I'm going to say it again. I'm obviously biased and my favorite card, I already picked a favorite card is the Queen of Swords. Isn't that glorious? Isn't she just sublime? (laughs) And (laughs) similarities are mere coincidence, especially (laughs) blue. Um, And what I noticed to Sasha, and and being an indigenous, Mexican, fat, queer, vegan uh, woman that has so many intersections of, um, uh, I can't remember the word now, so many intersections of minorities um i can see on this book on the illustrations a lot of diversity was that intended
3: that was 100% intentional and there were there were there were a lot of conversations about that and to be honest with you i think i think we've passed the point at which non-diversified decks are going to be out there i'm working on something right now um it is going to be chock full of of everything that you see like yeah so I, I I just I think that moment in time has passed I don't think that it does any justice to anyone to not create a tarot deck that's not accessible to anyone and everyone that wants
1: to see themselves represented inside the deck absolutely and and I saw that there is diversity on age diversity on size uh diversity on color and uh, perhaps ethnicity uh, we have a redhead on the cover. I'm looking for justice because justice looks to me like an indigenous woman. Mm-hmm. Some might say she looks like an Asian woman. She probably looks like a new cylinder. Yeah. I don't know. Yes. But a lot of people are going to see themselves and then the string that is behind our, the, i mean she looks really righteous (laughs) she's perfect (laughs) doesn't she look amazing yeah she's perfect so So thank you the the visuals are darling the illustrations are beautiful i was uh, a few weeks ago i did the unboxing i was talking about the um the things that are important for Practical tarot readers, right? Because you have your people that read the tarot for themselves daily, and Mm -hmm. that's their thing, and they do it, and it's part of their magical journey. But then you also have a plethora of us people who this is our working tool. And as a working tool for me, uh, and I think I said it like a million times on the unboxing, I am not particularly crazy about borderless decks i'm not against them but it's not like i'm looking for a borderless deck but this happens to be borderless and uh, the texture on the cards is beautiful Thank um you. it is it is glossy but it has texture which is i don't know it, it has a name this texture but i don't know because i don't work on lithography. Um, luellen calls it a linen finish Linen finish, that's, that's what I couldn't remember uh, during the unboxing. And I was like, it looks like fabric, but I can't remember the name. Well, I was close. Uh, <laughs> linen finish. And, <clears throat> excuse me, the weight of the cards is such that you can actually shuffle without straining your hands. Um, and another thing that I was saying, Sasha, these are the things that are important for me as a, to use it as a tool. Yes, but you shuffle; it, it doesn't have sharp edges, mm-hmm. um, which is very important. So kudos to the people that go into all of those little details. Uh, how much or how little are you involved on in that part of the, the process?
3: The artist, the artist, and I have absolutely no say. Um, as, as that's a hundred percent the publisher's decision. So oftentimes, a publisher will actually, you know, make. Deals to wherever they're they're getting the cards printed, and how you know they're they're often entering into contracts that are years in the making, right? Years ahead of time. So yeah, so we have n- we have no say over what the actual practical box will look like in terms of like when the darkwood tarot arrived in that nice giant kit, it was so exciting. The guidebook. It was so exciting to see how Llewellyn put that together. Um, but no, we have no say over cardstock. We have no, to be honest with you, you know, they could even change the title. I think they haven't, they never have changed any of my titles, but you know, pretty much everything all of all of how it appears is publishers' call. We don't have that much say, which is funny because I get a lot of emails of people saying, "Can't you do different cardstock?" And I'm like, "I'm
1: just the writer. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no control." But I will say, even without having the control, I'm for those who uh, are just listening. I'm here on the video showcasing some of the cards when I did the unboxing. I don't do the interview thing with the tarot deck. I is just not my thing. Yeah. Um, for people who do it, good for you. And you do you boo. You know that is the most magical spell, and I say it all the time. You do you boo. I love it. What makes you happy? But <clears throat> as I was unboxing, I threw out the cards just to see how they slide, and they slide really nicely on the yeah. on the velvet. And I pull one, and what did I pull? the three of coins, the three of pentacles. Oh, no. And I was telling the folks that were watching the live, like, if this is not an invitation to get to it, to get to work, to get to know it, then then I don't know what to tell you, right? Um, <clears throat> I also love, and this I just discovered while I was browsing through the book, that you have like a little... Poem, paragraph, sentence, kind of spell-ish on each card. Yes. And that, my dear Sasha, doubles this Sarah deck as an Oracle deck, which I will be using it as an Oracle. Because when I do my uh, coffee breaks throughout the week, uh, because I do, you know, the coffee break Monday, Wednesday, Friday to kind of like help people throughout the week. And on Wednesday, I do Oracle's. And it's so practical to just pull the card and go to the oracle message. And decks usually don't have that. Yeah. But since you put that on this book, this will work perfectly as an oracle. So I'm not saying this is an oracle. We all know a deck, 78 cards, it's a whole system, blah, blah, blah. But this will work, darling, because you have a keyword, the astrological relation, and then that little paragraph that kind of describes the action within the card. And then you go into the whole description, which is wonderful. But I, I love that you did that. So thank you, because this will double as a wonderful Oracle deck. I'm so happy that
3: that's resonating with people. I didn't think it would be possible to create a tarot deck in a witch's garden that did not come with a chant, with a rhyme with magical words because what we speak when we're doing a magic spell the words that we that we say uh it's so it's so inherent to the magic so I'm just really glad thank you I'm really glad to hear that it makes me really happy
1: it is uh something that I I always look on the on the decks there are some tarot decks or and or oracle decks that are beautiful visually they are very interesting on the messages when you are reading the book or the booklet or the companion, they're very interesting. But, but when it comes to the practicality of working with them, mm-hmm. they're missing that part because it's a person like like what I do on the coffee break, right? I pull a card and I tell you a message and I'm constrained to like 10, 15 minutes. Though sometimes I go to 20, I shouldn't. But, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to keep people, it's a coffee break. So it's not a monologue, you know, it's a coffee yeah. break. And I'm trying to keep it to a certain amount of time. And when I have to be looking on the book and trying to find the meat and potatoes of the whole explanation, this is so practical. So again, for people that use this as their working tool, it doubles as an oracle, which I think is fantastic because, you know, I will be... I now next Wednesday or whenever I can have a Sasha Graham day and pull some oracle, uh, some tarot cards from the Darkwood, and then use the Witch's Garden, kind of sort of as an oracle without having to interpret card. I'm I'm already kind of like visualizing how I can use it, and I hope that other people uh, get to use it. and 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 again, way to diversify the use of the tarot. Thank you. Um, so I'm, I'm going to take you away from the, ter- uh, from the Witch's Garden for a minute, because I didn't, the, the first time that you came to the show, people are going to believe that we have just met when you came to do the Darkwood, and then we became Facebook friends, and then I see you acting all yes. over the place, <laughs> and I, I promised to myself that I was going to scratch that edge. Was that all of that? Uh you act in and you are the queen of like uh dark magical vampire sure. something or a lot or another. Tell us that part of your life about, please. Sure, sure. So so I
3: uh graduated from high school and moved to New York City when I was 17 years old to become an actress. And that's that's exactly what I did and what because I loved the supernatural. I was obsessed with vampires and witches. These were the things that I immediately would always get cast in. So I did vampire theater all over New York City. And then I wound up uh making a slew of independent films uh back then it was the blockbuster days so this was like when indie films if you like made an indie film it w- and and sell it to blockbuster it would wind up on the shelf like right next to big budget movies so i worked with all of these like new york city and east coast kind of avant-garde filmmakers who were making these like baller b horror movies which for me as an actor was phenomenal because all right, this is the '90s, right? So I'm not playing the girlfriend or the wife or the side piece in a movie. I'm playing the vampire, the werewolf, the mafia hit chick. I have a body count, and if my character ends in like some gruesome death, which a lot of a lot of my characters did die, I went down fighting. Right, and and it's a funny thing because it wasn't until after I was well into publishing and tarot that I realized it was. All of my work has been about claiming your supernatural power, you know? And and so that's why horror and tarot and the gothic and the spooky all feel like home to me because there is something about darkness and fear and spooky stuff, especially when we're engaging in it in an entertainment form that really allows us to look at what is terrifying for us in our real life, but in a safe space. It's like the moon card. You can come up against something really scary in moonlight because it blurs the edges because it gives you room to encounter something you wouldn't be able to look at maybe in daylight. It would freak you out, but, wow. but gothic and supernatural. like that it gives you the space to look at the dark wood tarot. You know, it's about looking at the most terrifying thing in your life. Um, Having, having a conversation with that in a safe space. So inadvertently, that's always been what I do. And I think it's very much because it's what I try to do with the things that freak me out, you know, mm-hmm. the things that scare me. Um, and, and yeah, so, so, and it was funny. So about 10, I don't know, a couple years ago, a ton of my movie making friends started making movies again and inviting me to come back. And so I'm working with my old directors and filmmaker friends making all our B horror movies, <laughs> I just so finished awesome. shooting a a body horror film out in Ohio. Yeah, so it's it's fun. It's it's just it's a pleasure. I I live a really kind of incredible, incredible creative life that
1: I'm very grateful for. It's a Which lot of fun. Is wonderful. It's it's wonderful. And I have said it once, and I will say it until I die. When you lead a magical life, everything you do is magic. And and one thing, a big huge kudos to you because I. I was invited to be part of a film, right? And I thought I was gonna be like, um, when they invited me, the creator, um, Glam, um, I thought they were gonna do like a 10 minute video for YouTube, turns out it's a full feature film. And my scene, and this is, I'm telling this to people that had no idea, cause I know you don't. My scene was a mere three minutes, two minutes maybe. We were filming from seven o'clock in the morning to 11 o'clock at night. So what did I learn then, Sasha? I learned I do not want to be an actor. (laughs) It is so incredibly demanding. I don't know how you all do it. I have the utmost respect for the industry. Being part of this film opened my eyes into like, wow, there is so much work that goes into especially if it is uh, in the low budget kind of like friends of friends of friends pulling the cables production type of thing yeah. there's so much work that goes into it um <clears throat> and it's a it's a wonderful place of magic because you're making believe you're creating uh, you're creating a world within a world and you're bringing it into life and it is such magical thing
3: yeah. I and what I what I love about working on indie projects and 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 low budget stuff is that everybody's there for the love of it. You know, there's a big difference being on a big budget uh movie or TV set where you've got celebrity, you've got millions of dollars of stake, you've got unions, time is money, everybody's got an agenda. Um, and that and that's amazing, right? That can be amazing because, of course, like obviously, we have all of these beautiful films um, that that come from that. But as an actor, an actor standpoint, it's such a great feeling to come on set and everybody is there for their love of being part of the team. Everybody's there due to their love of the genre of horror, and so nobody's getting paid overtime, right? But we're all and and you form a mini, fa- you literally form a mini family. It's like creating a bubble outside of time. And it's oh, such a special thing. It's a very liminal experience when you're gone and you're done, you know, it's kind of over forever. It can be really sad to say goodbye to everyone, which is great when you get to go back and work with the same people, but it is very special. It is, it is a supernatural, magical, um, heightened reality. It's, it's and it's addictive. It's, it's why actors do what they do. It's, it's
1: a beauty. I, I find it beautiful. I love it. I love it. And it is in and of itself magic because, I mean, we cannot forget that performance arts and magic are one and the same thing. Um, You know, that performance, to my understanding, performance was born out of uh, people actually performing their magical spells and stuff like that. And then eventually the two kind of like split it, but they have the same basis. So one of the things that
3: I, I, again, it surprised me when I realized, especially when I started reading tarot for other people, was how much it was just like doing a scene, uh, doing a piece of theater. And that is not to say that I'm pretending or putting on a show when you're reading the cards, but whether you're sitting down Uh, to paint a painting, to write a poem, uh, to compose a piece of music, or to read a tarot card, the very first thing an artist does is center themselves and clear the mind. So as far as the lines or the technique, if you're a proficient artist, that's already inside of you. Same is true as a, a proficient reader. You pretty much know what you're doing when you sit down. And then you have to clear away everything that you think you know, so you can greet the moment, the person you're reading for, and that card from a place of honest response to what comes in front of you. And you have to be open uh, to the inspiration that's coming through you as well. So it's very much to me like a three-way process. So in, in an odd way, it's exactly the same as doing a scene in terms of how, how the artist or the reader prepares themselves so yeah. that you can be inspired. And, and to your point about, you know, theater performance first being a, a ritualistic thing um, back when people were probably all more taking part communally in and the sacred religions that 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 they were um they were a part of of course it's 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 raising energy right it is and it's bringing down it's it's bringing down it's the embodiment of the divine um and
1: and yeah the diva right the performing and and everything that is created has been created what twice first in the mind of the creator right? Creator, big creator, little creator, I don't see no difference. And then it's been put into matter. So it is such magical aspect. That's why I live in the corner of art and magic. Yeah. Because to me, they're not separated. Um, society tells us, you know, an artist is an artist and a magician is a magician. And we even go so far as to say, <clears throat> yes, I'm a magician, but not a sleight of hand. Yeah, we all are a magician's sleight of hand because we all are putting on a performance. And like you say, when we're reading the cards, because what is the way I see it is basically we put in a story together, right? Yes. And, and we all have, all that we have is the blueprint, right, of the scene we just Mm -hmm. we just have the little uh, what is it called storyboard Ah, uh, yeah tarot cards are like storyboards we just have like the, the little snippets of the storyboards that are on our table we have to make the movie when we're telling the story and that doesn't mean i will never ever tell a person something that is not on the card you know i will never stray away from the meaning of the card however comma you, you have so many possibilities. They're so infinite, excuse me, combinations that it's a different story every time. Mm -hmm. And it is a story. It is the art of storytelling. Right. Which is what I talk about in my
3: book, Magic of Tarot, you know, and and again, that's to you know, people, I'm not a storyteller. Yes, you are. We, everyone is a storyteller. You know, so much of so much of the reason we go to psychics and mediums and and tarot card readers is because they're telling us the story of us. We want some, we want to hear the story of us. That's the astrological columns that we read. What's the story of like, you know, the month of July, what's going on. Um, And, and we're all, whether, whether we're a corporate CEO or whether you're like a five-year-old child playing with your toys, you're telling the story. You're telling stories. Yeah. It is
1: a beautiful art, I think. And I always tell people, you know, I am so blessed and so privileged to do what I love and I love what I do. And and all the arts of storytelling through tarot, through magic, through ritual, through being in liminal spaces. And the best tool for me, which I think in this case, we coincide, the best tool for you is tarot. Yeah. And the other folks will have other tools. And that will work. And and what I tell my apprentices time and time again, you don't want to be an expert on everything because you simply cannot be like I suck, major suck at astrology. I just can't. I just can't. Same, totally yeah. same. It is to me, it's too mathematical. It's too, yeah. you know um but uh back to back to this uh book and the tarot deck i love that you have the astrological um correlation here on each card on every single one card um you have the royalty the monarchs you have the people of the court uh is there a particular reason why the people of the court were accommodated at the end and not with each suit
3: I think that you know what I think I made that decision and to be honest with you I forgot and then I tried to put them back together <laughs> well and was like too late. <laughs> it's already and I'm like all right. I, I I um yeah I don't know why I did that.
1: I don't remember. I you know but I think it it works because they are a subdivision of the tarot. The tarot that has so many divisions, certain subdivisions.
3: Yeah. And you know, it can be, I, I know when I, often when I'm teaching and, and even when I was first learning how to, to really pull, you know, when you pull the, the deck apart, it's easier to break it down. And so when you're in a court card class, like often you do like pull all of the court cards out to look at them, to compare them, to see how they're, how they're similar and how
1: they're different. Mm. They're so beautiful. Thank you i told you people there are people of size <laughs> because that is the ultimate frontiers uh sasha, sasha that uh, people of size we exist and we ought to be represented i really am in awe i do you consider yourself an activist an activist No, I wouldn't call myself an activist, but I would definitely
3: call myself like a human for other humans in every way that that is possible. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, yeah. And, and I think that there's ways to, I, I guess my definition of an activist seems like someone who's kind of always putting it out. I, I prefer to slip things in without telling people that I'm putting it in there. Um, and then they will be more apt to receive. Yeah. What I'm, I'm, I, I'm working on, I'm working on something right now. I can tell you I'm doing purposely, um, that I, you know, I I traveled to Tibet and got to see firsthand the suppression of an entire society. And not that that, I mean, that's happened, happening, happened and happened everywhere around the world, but, um, So that's very much an undercurrent in a new project that I'm working on that maybe people won't pick up on, but people who know will know. And yeah.
1: Not to put you on the spot, but of course, I'm going to need the exclusive interview. (sighs) Or or the first interview, or one of the first interviews when that comes up. Because here on Lunatic Mondays, we cannot have enough Sasha Graham. We, no. we we wish that you were here as as often as you could, and um, thank you for being here today. The time I, I cannot believe we are almost hitting the mark. We have like about ten minutes left. Oh wow! You no, know? uh, and we can go for days, but you're being so generous with your time. I don't want to take advantage of that. So before you go, um, I just want to tap into what's in this book. Um, you have spell work here. You have the book is divided very, very um, creatively, very smart, smartly, wisely, uh, tending the soil, planting the seeds, cultivating depth and meaning and harvesting matter. And then you take us through the whole um, divisions, major arcana, the, the monarchs, uh, the lesser et cetera. But you also have spells at the end of the book. Um can you tell us a little bit about those spells and
3: yes well so we always want a book to come with stuff that we can actually do and put into practice so i again like the rhymes i couldn't write a book of the the witch's garden without including a slew of spells and um and also spreads you know and mm-hmm. and so I tried to succinctly because i don't, I don't have all the room in the world in a guidebook, um I tried to cover as best I could the main pieces of what of what might be helpful for people. so there are spells about romance for home, for creativity, um for kind of uh witchy. Um, like mind blowing, uh, mind expanding spells as well. Um, And then I also included, um, I included an interesting option for reversals in this guidebook because reversals always sit kind of Strangely, with me, they seem so dark and negative. And sometimes I feel like there's no way. I work with reversals in a million different ways, but a lot of people just tend to see them as as negative. So I put in a prompt to, of how to write the reversal. So if somebody's working with a reversal that they don't like, then then I give them a question that they can pull a secondary card to, um, to to write the reversal. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So I just above above all, I just I want my books to be really helpful. There's nothing more like I love cookbooks because it's all about what's possible and what I can make and create and I want my books to feel the same way to people that they can open it up and find something that they can do in 10 minutes that will put them in a new mindset or give them a piece of information or make them feel crafty and Mm -hmm. and and juicy and creative
1: I love the spell work I love love the spell work because you without giving the book away you need to go buy the deck folks. What can I tell you? You need to go buy it. It's a wonderful tool and you'll see what I'm talking about with the spells because you include the cards and that's what I'm saying. Um, I also love, of course, visually the back of the deck because again, you give us an anagram so you cannot tell if it is right side up or reverse. And I do do re-reversals, not necessarily on the negative way. I'm with you. I don't agree when people, my um, mantra, if you will, is they are not negative cards. They are experiences. And and like life, there are some that are very pleasant and some that they might not be as pleasant, but they are not necessarily inherently negative. It's, It's life. Life is not all, we don't have sunshine all the time. We gotta have a sunset. And 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 the idea that, like, a reversed card is the
3: opposite of its, like, I don't like oppositional ideas either. Like, it's either this or it's that, as if there's no gray matter in between, as if there's no kind of complexity of, of a thing. Like, I feel like it's literally, it's like saying that, like, a person, that's a good or a bad person, and, th- and then that's it, you just wipe that away. Like, I think that that's the... It's, it's a shallow, unhelpful, unhelpful thing, but it makes integrating reversals easy when you're first learning easier. Yeah. yeah. So I understand why I understand why it exists, but that I don't like, but I don't appreciate it.
1: (laughs) And the thing is sometimes a healing card reverse as the medicine. Yes. And interpreting that, say, like a star reverse as part of the medicine, that sends you into some mental gymnastics, that that's where the art lies. Because, yeah, there there is, that. some of my apprentices, you know, they'd be like, how would you interpret the the magician reverse as the medicine, as the the advice? And I'm like, huh, how would you, (laughs) you know? Because... And that's a great question for anybody
3: who's practicing magic or who is a magical or spiritual practitioner. You know, I always say, you know, it's easy to be oh magical and dynamic when everything in your life is going great, but it's how you finesse the toughest things in your life, depression, trauma, grief, sadness, negative habits, addiction. and, And we all, no matter who we are, you know, It's how you finesse that. It's how you work through that in 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 with your eyes open. Exactly. That's the
1: magic.
3: Exactly. That is the magic.
1: And and... good No, no. And to understand that the tarot is not about the future. I kind of have a bone to chew on that. Like, oh yeah, I'm gonna tell you your future. No, I can't. Because the minute you make a different decision, you throw this away in the garbage, and then it's about different paths. But
3: I will, I will say for myself personally, and this is not about predicting the future. But something that tarot, after all of these years, tarot has taught me is I know when I'm in a river of magic, and I know when I am in it's. I I wouldn't say it's predicting the future, but I know the river of magic will take me into a certain place and it's it's like right now I'm not feeling that way but I was feeling that way like about a month or two ago with some things that were going on and I'm like oh I know this is it this is the I'm in the river of magic and in this, some sometimes I get the sense of I think when you're a very sensitive person I think the intelligence often manifests around us but it's kind of invisible like right before it takes form right before it takes shape mm-hmm. you can but th- again that's not the same as predicting the future no. and yeah
1: and and I think that's that's exactly it it's not like oh we're gonna tell you for example you know people who claim and to each their own again to each their own because there's I don't know everything and I will never claim to know everything But I have a hard time with people that says, yes, he is tall. He is 135 pounds. He has a freckle on his right temple. He, uh, you know, has a lisp. And you cannot, in my opinion, see that on the tarot. Maybe that person who is saying that is tapping into a different ability.
3: Yes.
2: It
1: has nothing to do with the tarot. And that's all it is. Yeah, you know, it's just a different ability. So but anyway, uh, time is of the essence. Sasha. I hate it. I Um, I have to ask you before you go. Yes. What is the rest of your summer look like? Where are you going? Are there any presentations, activities? Tell us all about what's what's happening. Yes. So I will be actually teaching
3: uh, a craft your destiny tarot and yoga immersion at the Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health uh, in the Berkshires mountains of Massachusetts and Lenox, Massachusetts. Um, and that's led by myself and a co-teacher, Alison De DeNicola, who is the creator of many Oracle decks uh, for U.S. games. So we will be there, I think, the second to the last week in July. Uh, you can find that information on my website if you're interested in, in registering for that it's a phenomenal week we teach there um on a, every annually we're also usually there in january and february um so this is our first summer week long experience and then i'm going to be uh teaching a slew of classes down in new orleans i'm, I'm, I'm going to be that person down in new orleans um now down in new orleans uh at the end of august for hex fest so i will be teaching i think i'm teaching three classes down on bourbon street i'm really excited for that i love new orleans so much i love the energy and the history and just all of that it's such a delicious delicious uh jambalaya of deliciousness so yeah so so yeah so you can find me in new orleans or in the berkshires um yeah
1: and all of that information, obviously, is on your website. Remind us your website,
3: please. Uh And you can also find me on Instagram at SashaTarotDiva and on
1: Facebook as well as Sasha Graham one I think. All right, beautiful. Thank you, everybody. So what I have left to say is, um, please listen to CSMP, the Circle Sanctuary Enabler Podcast. We have 950 hours. Yes, 950 hours. A podcast that you can listen, download, share, keep for your archives. Come and revisit whenever you want. They're downloadable. They're free. All of us do this for free. None of us gets paid a dime. And that's because we love you. So who are we? Who are the CSMP? Who is Circle Center Network Podcast? Well, Circle Talk with Deborah Rose, two Tuesdays a month. Circle of Nature with Selena Fox, the third third Wednesday of the month. Uh, Songs of the Pagan Tribe, the second and fourth Friday of the month with Karen Greenman. Uh, Blue Marble with Charlotte, Bitt, Charlotte Bear, Charlotte Bear, um, the third Friday of the month. Then we have Paganos del Mundo, Pagans of the World or Pagaos del Mundo, a show that airs every Saturday on Spanish and Portuguese with Christian Ortiz, Harbati Leva, Carolina Moore, Monica Gobin uh patricia Finkler and yours truly laura gonzalez on spanish and then of course we have lunatic mondays the second and the fourth uh monday of the month in english uh with yours truly and all those shows are on blog talk radio or you can go to the circle Century website and look for CSMP. or you can find us on facebook at csm podcast the circle Century network podcast And on Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, iTunes or whatever, they pick us up because we, sometimes uh, Sasha, I will be looking for a show and I will be Googling because I know, you know, like Lunatic Monday, Sasha Graham. And it comes out from a reproductive house that I have no idea. They pick up our show. So it's like, okay, thank you. You know, so we are being picked up left and right. And we won that. Uh, We put this information out there to the world so that people can have their education accessible. Uh, Sasha, I love you. You have no idea how much I love your work, how much I use your work. It's a wonderful tool for a professional tarot reader such as myself. Please put me to work, people, so I can keep doing free work. Uh, Yeah, the shameless self-promotions. You know, I do tarot readings, obviously, privately. And your decks are some of my favorites to work with. And um, there is something special about knowing the principles behind the person who write the book. And to align on that vibe, you know, to be like, I know where this person is coming from when they create this tool. So I think as a professional tarot reader, that increases the magic of the work that we do. So I love you. Thank you for being on the show. And all I have left is for you to say goodnight to your audience. Good night, everybody. Cast your cards well. Thank you, everybody, for listening. My name is Laura Gonzalez. And until we meet again, never forget that you are loved. Bye-bye. Lunatic Mondays is a production of Laura Gonzalez for CSN Podcasts building bridges of community around the world.
0: Thank you for joining us on the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast presented by Circle Sanctuary and produced for all who follow nature-centered paths. Join us throughout the week for various programming connecting with the community around the world. Please don't forget to watch for updates on the Circle Sanctuary website at www.circlesanctuary.org. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash csn podcast we can also be found on your favorite podcast hosting sites such as itunes stitcher spotify and others until next time many blessings